the last time that the Michigan Wolverines and the Nebraska Cornhuskers met in Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, was October 9th, 2021. A 32-29 matchup that, once again, was a late-game loss and a one-score loss, a devastating one for Scott Frost and company. And Michigan's win on the road in a night game environment began a trend that started in 2021 where Michigan was finally able to win games where they faced adversity on the road in conference, a a trend that so far is continuing to this day. If Michigan ends up choking their 13-0 lead at halftime in full and doesn't recover from Nebraska's third-quarter surge where they scored 22 points, perhaps a win for Nebraska on October 9th of 2021 could have been program-defining. Or maybe they go 4-8, and eight, and once again, the rule is Scott Frost and Nebraska continue to lose close games. But regardless, this was a battle. And Michigan ended the year 12-2. and two. Nebraska ended the year 3-9. and nine. Yet only three points separated these teams in Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska. It was a great game. And there are sure some telling signs that this could be another great game. Another battle in the making in Lincoln. There is a possibility for an upset. And there is also a possibility that the Wolverines do come in this game and they dominate from start to finish. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam, and before we resume this video, and before I give the rest of my analysis, please subscribe to the channel and click the notification bell so you can get notified when I post more college football content about the Michigan Wolverines, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, the Ohio State Buckeyes, Penn State Nittany Lions, and every other Big Ten team, along with some non-Big Ten teams. I do a lot of college football content, and I can mention a non-Big Ten game that I will be covering is USC versus Colorado. That video will be dropping tomorrow. And I do all kinds of college football content on the channel for those of you who are new here. I mainly focus on the Big Ten, and I'm also pretty engaged on my community section where I constantly post polls asking you the viewer and subscriber, your input on who you think will win weekly games. So this is a very active community. We're trying to hit 20,000 subscribers. I would really appreciate it if you clicked that big red button, liked this video, and commented your predictions and your analysis on this football game down below. There are a lot of similarities between these two teams right now. Obviously, there are vast differences, but let's start out with what these teams have in common. Number one, they have great rushing offenses. Um, In rushing yards per game, Nebraska is sixth in all of college football, averaging 234.8 yards per game. And that is even including Ramir Johnson and Gabe Irvin Jr. tragically being injured and out for the season. Uh, Pray for a quick recovery and a swift recovery for both of those excellent young men until they heal up. Likely next year, it will be Anthony Grant carrying the load. And Anthony Grant last year was a great running back. If he can keep the ball in his hands and not cough it up, he is going to be a great running back this year. And Nebraska also has Heinrich Harburg and Jeff Sims, provided he's healthy, who can competently run the football 
with great athleticism and explosiveness at quarterback. So the rushing offense for Nebraska is phenomenal. Right now, they're averaging more yards per carry on the ground than Michigan with 5.5 compared to the Wolverines 5.0. And they also have 170 rushing attempts. Meanwhile, Michigan only has 135. The Wolverines, in comparison for total rushing yards per game, are not inside of the top 10, though Michigan has been trying to pass the football more this season. Rather, Michigan is still relatively high in terms of Division I FBS. They're 39th in rushing yards per game, and against Rutgers, they finally cracked the 200-yard mark. So I think that Michigan's rushing offense is coming into form. They are improving. I've noticed you know, progress amongst the offensive line, especially in center Drake Nugent and the guards, Zach Sinner and Trevor Keegan. I think everyone on that interior offensive line has all-American potential, and I think the guards right now are playing at all-American caliber. Drake Nugent is actually rated as one of the country's best centers, according to Pro Football Focus, but I don't think he's as good as Olu Oluwatimi was last year, and I want to see continued improvement from him. So both of these teams can run the football. Both also have very tenacious, aggressive defenses, like really great defenses. I think that Tony White has done a phenomenal job in year one. I thought that the offense was going to be the main you know, focus and identity of this Nebraska team. It's really been the defense. Um, Nebraska, I think, after starting Heinrich Harburg, I think really has the potential of going bowling, especially with, you know, Minnesota blowing a lead to Northwestern. There goes my Minnesota predictions for the whole season. Iowa looks worse than they are. I think Nebraska could totally not just beat the Hawkeyes, but potentially boat race them since it's a home game. Wisconsin looks vulnerable, and Harburg so far hasn't turned over the football, but we'll talk about him later in this episode. I think he's a key piece. Nebraska has 14 sacks on the year. They have 14 passes defended, three picks, three forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, and they're tackling pretty well. Michigan defensively right now has nine sacks, seven passes defended, four picks, one of them returned for six, and they have two forced fumbles and a fumble recovery. They're also tackling well. The reason they have not as impressive statistics is because Michigan has done a really good job of limiting opponents' possessions, and they get off the field relatively quickly on defense. But nine sacks in four games with the amount of points they've limited their opponents to, which I think is around five. The most points they've allowed in a game so far was seven. That was to Rutgers. Six to Bowling Green. Seven to UNLV, nearly forgot that they scored a touchdown late in the game. Rutgers scored theirs in the first quarter on a slant route taken to the house. And three against East Carolina. That's 23 points. 23 over four games. So Michigan's defense right now is playing at, I think, the number one defense in the nation caliber. I think they're an elite defense. I think the Big Ten has a lot of those defenses. And Nebraska just unfortunately is not blessed with a great offense or a near elite offense with potentially elite play and for sure elite potential. I want to see more out of Michigan before I call them an elite offense. And right now they're not scoring that way. 
but I think that more has to do with them limiting possessions and chewing clock, which is another similarity they have with the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and we'll talk about that actually right now. And the matchup of this game I think is very fascinating. It's in Memorial Stadium, Michigan's favored by 18, they're given an 87.6% chance to win. Um, both teams are outside of the top 110 in seconds per play, which is an interesting statistic that I discovered this week. A friend of mine pointed it out to me, and it confirmed my suspicion about Michigan. You know, everyone's telling me that Michigan doesn't look so good because they're only scoring 30 points a game. Well, that's because Michigan is taking 32.3 seconds to execute one single play. The only team that takes up more time that chews more clock per play is Air Force. Michigan is behind Army and Navy, two service academies who are known to chew clock. Michigan is limiting possessions and they're executing outside of the Bowling Green game at a near flawless level right now. And Nebraska, while I can't say the same thing about flawless, in their past two games, They've been doing as best as they can given their circumstances and starting a new quarterback in Heinrich Harburg, who I think is a high ceiling, and Nebraska's burning 29.1 seconds per play. They're 116th nationally in that category. Michigan's 132. So I don't expect this game to hit the over of 40 points. That's currently the over-under. Both of these teams love to limit possessions of the other. They enjoy running the football. Nebraska, understandably so, hates passing because of injuries there. And Heinrich Harburg, at, from what I have seen, is better with his legs than with his arm. He has a much more capable and accurate arm than Jeff Sims. But his legs, and he, he, can, he can take off and he can outrun defensive backs if he has space, he can take it all the way to the house. So Nebraska and Michigan both have high-potent, high-ceiling rushing offenses. What separates Michigan's offense, of course, is their offensive line play and also their passing game in whole, and also the fact that Michigan so far has played an easier schedule. All of these things is why Michigan is 4-0, why they're so dominant, why I think they're the number one team in the Big Ten, and why I think they're one of the best teams in the country. If you haven't already, hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I release my top 10 video tomorrow, and that will show where Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and where many other teams are in my top 10. Um, Oregon and Washington are both in my top six, so if you're a Pac-12 guy or you're interested in some of the Big Ten's newcomers next year, check that video out. Um, but that's why Michigan's 4-0, Nebraska's 2-2. Two two. They started out with a tough road game against Minnesota with a lot to ask for, and the game against Colorado, that game proved to me that I think Jeff Sims needed to be pushed, and Nebraska needed to experiment with their quarterback room, and to their credit, they did. I think Heinrich Harburg is the guy. I think starting a quarterback like Jeff Sims against a defense like Michigan's is just going to result in a total disaster. If that happens, the over might be hit just on the virtue of Michigan getting a defensive touchdown or two, along with just burying Nebraska's defense, who would be exhausted if the offense doesn't move the football. And they may not 
move the football either way, regardless of which quarterback they start, because Michigan, I think, we all can admit, has a trench advantage. But Heinrich Harbour gives Nebraska the best chance to win in this game. He's a high-ceiling athlete. He hasn't turned over the football yet in terms of passing. He did give up a fumble, potentially a few fumbles. I watched the Colorado game, the Minnesota game in full. I watched highlights of the Louisiana Tech game and also watched John Johnston's reaction for Corn Nation. And I did listen to Corn Crazed's reaction as much as I could for both of those games, along with watching snippets of the Northern Illinois game. I think I'm pretty well informed on this Nebraska team, and it's my belief that Heinrich Harburg gives the Huskers their best shot to win this matchup. Um, Memorial Stadium, as I mentioned at the beginning of this video, it's a very intimidating environment in the sense that it's loud, and the fans are going to stay there, and they won't give up. Nebraska fans are, I think, the most dedicated fans of college football. They're not nasty. They're kind. They're just passionate emotional, intelligent, dedicated. They're a really good fan base. They're phenomenal. Um, and they have incredible amounts of patience. And all this to say that if this was a night game, I think that I think that Michigan has somewhat of a advantage that this isn't a night game. Um, if this game was being played at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time and it started when the sun was setting, I think that Michigan might have a few more problems. Let's just say that. And that's not to say that Michigan isn't an elite team or they aren't on paper the better team. But in 2021, I remember Michigan on the road. They had some errors. That's when Cade McNamara had his first turnover. That's when he threw his first pick was in that game on the road against Eric Chenander's best defensive unit. And Michigan controlled that game until about middle-late third quarter, and then Nebraska just exploded out of nowhere. Adrian Martinez had one of his best performances in a single half of his entire career, where Nebraska tore Michigan's defense apart on wheel routes. Nebraska doesn't have the same receivers that they did in 2021, but I think Anthony Grant is a better running back than what Nebraska had at running back on the game in October 9th of that season. Anthony Grant is a guy who has power, he has shiftiness, he can have some breakaway speed, and this offensive line has made progress compared to previous lines. It is more physical. I think it's a better offensive line than any unit Scott Frost ever had. It will take time to improve, but I can see Nebraska's identity forming. Over the past two games, for example, Heinrich Harburg hasn't passed for, I think, more than 20 attempts. Um, he only has 47 attempts in total on the entire season. And against Northern Illinois, he had 24. So he did have more than 20 in one game. He only had 17 against Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech is an atrocious defense. But on the other hand, he had 157 rushing yards. He had a long rush of 72. And he had another rush that was around 70 or 75 yards that got called back due to a penalty. But... Nebraska clearly wants to run the football. Part of the reason they're not passing a whole lot is because of injuries, but Matt Rule and the way that him and Marcus Satterfield want to play offense is being physical, using fullbacks, using tight ends. Thomas Fedoni is, has emerged over the past two games. I'm very curious to see how Nebraska's offense does against this Michigan defense. 
And on the other side, I'm curious to see more so, I think, how Michigan's offense does against this Nebraska defense. Nebraska is top 10 in the nation in stopping the run, and their secondary their secondary has good players. I mean, they have good safeties, good corners. Omar Brown, Deshaun Singleton has had a good year so far. Malcolm Hartzog, Isaac Gifford, Quentin Newsom. Nebraska, they have defensive backs, and they have linebackers as well. Um, I think Rutgers, for now, has the better passing defense, but I do think the Huskers have a better running defense. And Michigan, their bread and butter, even if they're passing at an extremely high level this year, Michigan's bread and butter is still running that football and being able to pound the rock when required. And Coram's had a good year, but Edwards has yet to break out, yet to hit a big run. He's not even averaging four yards per carry. So I'm curious to see all the different matchups between these two teams. Position. Um, Michigan has the advantage, I think, everywhere. On paper and through the eye test. Michigan's defensive backs, their defense as a whole, um, their defensive tackle unit with Chris Jenkins is just unreal. Even with Mason Graham being injured, and he probably won't play in this game, Kenneth Grant, one of the second stringers who's going to be starting for a few games, he is just amazing. Built like a freak athlete. Michigan's offensive line, I think we can all agree, that might be the position of greatest disparity between these two teams. Could be offensive line also potentially wide receiver. I would say tight end and special teams would be the closest. Michigan so far has had kind of a pedestrian special teams unit for their standards. Nebraska's special teams unit has been better than a typical Scott Frost one. And Tristan Alvano has made all of his extra points, and he did make a field goal. But he's also missed two field goals, and his longest that he hit on the season is from 27 Meanwhile, James Turner has hit a 50-yard field goal. He's hit three of them, missed two, um, both in the 40 or more um, distance. He has missed an extra point. Overall, James Turner is a kicker that has a high ceiling and somewhat of a low floor. Michigan has not had to punt much this year, so I'm not going to bring up their punting statistics. I don't know how good Michigan's punters are. I'd say that right now, my team's punting unit looks okay, above average from what I've seen, but they haven't had to do much so far, and they haven't faced competent special teams units either. So we'll have to see. Maybe this game with Nebraska's defense, if they can slow down Michigan's offense and force a few punts, maybe we'll learn more about Michigan's special teams unit. Return game, from what I understand, on average and looking at you know return yards, has been pretty similar. I'd give the slight edge to Michigan due to their special teams coach, Jay Harbaugh, along with so far having the more proven kicker, which I think is very important. And outside of that, and then tight end, Michigan is Colston Loveland and A.J. Barner. Meanwhile, Nebraska has Nate Borkacher and Thomas Fedoni. Thomas Fedoni has really come along and is so far having a good year. He has seven receptions, 84 yards, and he leads the team in receiving touchdowns with three um, what a comeback for him. He just could not be healthy for years, and now he's coming along, and I think he's going to have a good season. He already has three receiving touchdowns, seven receptions, almost a, a hundred receiving yards. That's that's awesome for him that he was able to recover and bounce back, and 
I think his bounce back, along with this defense and this team, not quitting so far this season, even though they have gotten beaten badly, I think there is a level of resilience with this Nebraska team that we have not seen in previous seasons. Now, can they finish? Can they get over the hump? I think that will take time, just due to the fact that roster-wise, more so developmental-wise, they have a lot of talent from high school recruiting, but developmental-wise, Scott Frost um, left the Huskers in a bad position. Michigan, meanwhile, is one of the best developmental teams in the country. They have a clear advantage at quarterback. Harburg's only had 278 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, and he has a 28.8 passer rating and a 40.7 quarterback efficiency rating, which is 105th in the nation. It's better than Jeff Sims. However, Michigan has J.J. McCarthy, 915 passing yards. He has a 91 quarterback efficiency rating, which was his third in all of college football, and he has a 189.1 passer rating. And while McCarthy does not have Heinrich Harburg's legs, I would be lying to you if I said that, J.J. McCarthy right now has 86 rushing yards, a long rush of 22. He can scramble, and he has elusiveness, and he can escape the pocket. And right now, he's done a much better job of running the read option and knowing when to pull the football compared to last year. I think that's an area where he's seen some great improvement, along with accuracy, his touch. He's not making as many risky decisions. And while the Bowling Green game looked bad, it's looking more and more like that game was a fluke performance on his part. But he'll be tested. This Nebraska defense will take advantage of your mistakes on offense. And Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, who right now are averaging 6.1 and 3.3 yards per carry respectively, if the offensive line isn't playing their A game, and if Edwards isn't hitting the holes properly, and if Corum somehow is having an off day, which is almost unusual, if not impossible for Corum, unless he's injured, um, that front for Nebraska and the linebackers, Nash Hutchmacher, um, Ty Robinson, Blaze Gunnerson, MJ Sherman, uh, you know, Luke Reimer, that defense is going to be aggressive, and we've seen 3-3-5 three, three, defenses hold Michigan's rushing attack to the point where it's just another feature of the offense rather than the identity of the offense. There's a good chance that Nebraska is going to force Michigan to throw if Michigan wants to win, especially win big. If Michigan wants to come in and dominate and put this game away early, there's a good chance they'll have to throw and they'll have to be on point in the passing game in order to do so. And they have the player to do that. Um, Michigan has a weapon in Roman Wilson, who has 268 receiving yards and is tied first nationally in receiving touchdowns with six. They also have Cornelius Johnson, Colston Loveland, and Donovan Edwards, the running back. All four of those players have 100 receiving yards or more on the year so far. Johnson has one receiving touchdown. Samaj Morgan, an emerging freshman who has three receptions for 61 yards, he has a receiving touchdown. So Michigan has a deeper wide receiver room than years past. I think Roman Wilson is, so far he looks like a potential alpha receiver for Michigan. Not a Marvin Harrison Jr., not Nemeka Igbuka. To make an analogy to a Nebraska player, I don't even know if he is a Trey Palmer. I think that he has that type of ceiling, if not maybe a higher ceiling. But I want to see him play more games. Um, before I assign him as 
a near elite wide receiver. But right now, Michigan's offense is humming. Nebraska, they're very thin at wide receiver, but they're deep at tight end. And at running back, they're thin there as well. But Anthony Grant, he has 208 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. He's averaging 5.5 yards per carry. And Heinrich Harburg's averaging six and a half yards per carry. I think Nebraska is going to find ways to run the football. They may not, you know, score a touchdown or score multiple touchdowns, but they're going to find ways to gain first downs. And I think Michigan, they've historically had problems stopping mobile quarterbacks. We saw this last year, actually, with Chubba Purdy when Nebraska traveled to Ann Arbor. There's a good chance that Nebraska could establish a good run game and a good tempo to control the game early. I think Michigan's defense likely will adapt with players like Mike Sainra still, um, Chris Jenkins, and a defense that is just, they're so good. They're third in yards allowed. They're first in points allowed. And right now, I mean, whether it's, you know, Kenneth Grant or Cam Good or Chris Jenkins, the defensive tackles are not just stopping the run. They're also rushing the passer. And Sainra still is a sack, 11 total tackles. He had a touchdown against Rutgers on a pick, and he had a pick earlier in the season. Michigan has, you know, national championship athletes on defense. So can Nebraska come out and surprise early? Can they get an early lead? Because at some point, Michigan's defense is going to adapt, and Nebraska's offense is one of the worst offenses in the nation. I'm not going to say in the Big Ten, because the Big Ten has several of, the, of those. Iowa's right now is actually projected to be worse than their offense was last year. Who would have thought that was ever possible? Oh, wait, they have Brian Ferentz. Nebraska's is not good. Northwestern's isn't. Illinois' is pretty pedestrian, honestly. They have a massive turnover problem with quarterback Luke Altmaier. And then, of course, you look at whether it's, you know, Indiana or Rutgers in the past has started out 3-0, and and they've looked good, and I've even fallen for it, and then they end up having a hor- horrendous offense for the rest of the season. So that's not very uncommon for Big Ten teams to have bad offenses, but Michigan's, Michigan's offense is, I'd say, good or great at minimum, and they have a defense that will eventually find a way to control games. So if Nebraska wants to win here, the matchup, despite the very the very, I would say, favorable position advantage matchup in favor of the Wolverines, the way Nebraska somehow wins is they're able to just pass, I'd say, in complete 50% of their passes, especially to tight ends. Tight ends have caused problems for Michigan before, Iowa last year. I know that's a stretch. And they also need to run the football, and they need to score, I would say, early. I think that Michigan is the type of team that if their starters are struggling early, their starters are going to have a great second half. And we also saw that last year. And this year we saw it too against Rutgers for the first time. Rutgers scored their first and only touchdown on their first drive. And since then, Michigan answered 31 points and shut out Rutgers for the rest of the way. So Michigan is a big time advantage. And the players who are going to decide this game and a player for Nebraska who could potentially negate that advantage, I think is Heinrich Harburg. Heinrich Harburg, we've already talked about him a lot, but 
he hasn't turned over the football when passing yet. And that's very important when Nebraska's passing attack is already so, they're so limited. They have Billy Kemp, they have Alex Bullock, and Marcus Washington is not performing as well as I expected. And then behind those three, they have Malachi Coleman, Ty Hahn, you know, Joshua Fleeks, and then at tight end, Thomas Fedoni and Nate Borkacher are good threats. Um, but overall, the passing attack is already as limited as it can be. And for Jeff Sims to come out and just throw the ball to defenders made Nebraska's offense that much more one-dimensional. That's why their run game against Colorado was so inconsistent, is Nebraska literally could not pass the football against Colorado. So Colorado could defend the run every down, or blitz, or send multiple guys forward. Or sometimes Nebraska's offensive line was so bad that Colorado wasn't intentionally even bringing pressure or they weren't intentionally trying to stuff Nebraska and they were able to do so, whether, you know, getting a tackle for loss or getting a sack. So Heinrich Harburg not turning the football and throwing picks through the air, that's important so that Nebraska can keep, it can keep a below average or average passing attack up for at least a part of the game so that their running offense can thrive and so that Anthony Grant can stay healthy. They can't afford another injury at running back. They can't. If Anthony Grant somehow goes down, and I highly doubt this will happen, if three running backs are out for the entire season, I mean, that is an anomaly. That's an outlier. It happened with Ohio State last year, but even then, um, two of their running backs weren't out for the whole season this early. Henderson had to be out after the Maryland game. He played, you know, through 11 games. Mayan Williams was on and off, and Dallin Hayden and Chip Trainum, by my knowledge, were pretty much always healthy throughout the whole season. If Anthony Grant gets injured, then I, I don't know what to tell you about Nebraska's offense. I mean, I don't know how they'd score points after that outside of, you know, putting Jeff Sims and Heinrich Harburg on the same field and having one of them function essentially as a running back. So Harburg needs to be able to run the football. He needs to be able to keep the ball in his hands, not throw it to defenders. He doesn't need to become this wizard in the passing game, though. I think given the fact that Michigan and the Huskers like to limit possessions, both teams need to play with minimal error. That is the cost of limiting possessions. Yes, you're likely not going to allow 30 or 40, or in some cases, even the high 20s in terms of points if everything goes to plan. But if you throw a pick six, um, that changes things. Or if you throw multiple interceptions and you give the opponent opportunities to march down the field, that changes things. Michigan against Bowling Green is a classic example of this. Bowling Green was never going to beat Michigan. And despite Michigan's mistakes, when you look at advanced statistics, Michigan's performance against Bowling Green, shockingly enough, was one of the more dominant performances of the week. The problem was they turned over the football a ton, and that gave Bowling Green the opportunity to only be down by eight at the half, because Michigan limiting the possessions the way they do creates so little margin of error that just a handful of mistakes or one big mistake could you know, change the entire outcome of the game or make what feels like a blowout into, in actuality, a tied football matchup. 
So Heinrich Harburg and his capability of, you know, his athleticism or not turning over the football, and if he can pass, if he can have a good passing game and maybe J.J. McCarthy has an off day, then that though just those things, everything else being held constant, McCarthy turning it over and Harburg having a phenomenal day, that alone could make this a competitive game that potentially Nebraska wins. For Michigan, I think Roman Wilson is the player to watch. And the reason I bring him up is Coram and Edwards are going to be fed the ball. They're going to run it. McCarthy is going to get carries. He's going to get designed runs or at least, you know, have the option to pull the ball away and scramble reading defenders. Nebraska's run defense is, it's awesome. In terms of college football rush defenses, I've been seriously impressed. I mean, the way that they were able to limit Minnesota's run game, and I know that at the time Minnesota didn't have Darius Taylor, and Darius Taylor, much better college running back than Sean Tyler, despite being a true freshman. But regardless, Minnesota does have a good offensive line that does have great potential. Nonetheless, in playing them, and also playing Colorado, which of course weighs the stats in Nebraska's favor, but then playing Northern Illinois, who showed some capability of running the football, Nebraska is only second to James Madison. They're first in Power 5 in opponent rushing yards per game, only allowing 46.3 yards per game. Utah is third. They allow 47.7 yards per game on the ground. And Utah has a much better functioning offense than Nebraska does, despite having their quarterback and their best tight end, probably their two best weapons on offense, being injured and also having a much better offensive line. So this run defense is impressive. I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan averages less than four yards per carry, even if their offensive line does have a good day. Realistically, I expect anywhere from four to five yards per carry, probably with a medium or long run that does, you know, beef up the stats in Michigan's favor. But Michigan, I think, will have to pass the football. They will. Um, If they don't want to be punting more than maybe one time, they're going to have to pass and pass with proficiency and accuracy. And they're going to have to be aware of Nebraska's defense. Tony White will bring pressure. And Roman Wilson so far has been, by a mile, the best wide receiver on the team. Roman Wilson is wearing Michigan's coveted number one, and he has six receiving touchdowns, 15 receptions, leads the team there, and has 268 receiving yards. He's averaging around 18 yards per reception. Six foot, 192 pounds from Hawaii and a senior. He has leadership. He has athleticism. What I like about Roman Wilson is he's fast, but he also makes his catches, runs his routes, just a really great wide receiver. I expected him to be a breakout candidate and Michigan's number one wide receiver this year. And with stat projections, I actually thought he'd be, with my prediction that Michigan would win the national title and play in 15 games, I predicted that he would have a 1,000 receiving yards. And I think that he very well could reach that if Michigan plays in maybe even just 14 games or hopefully, from a Michigan fan standpoint, 15. Um... I think that he will, he'll match up well with Nebraska's defense. And what makes him especially a player to watch is outside of maybe Colston Loveland, just because he's a good athlete and he's a mismatched tight end, 
Maybe Cornelius Johnson, but I don't know. Is anyone else going to effectively, you know, target Nebraska's secondary in a way that could, you know, open up the entire game for Michigan? I don't know. I think Roman Wilson is that good, and I don't think that McCarthy is going to have an off day. There's a really good chance he does have a turnover, throws a pick, but against Rutgers, who I think has a better pass defense than Nebraska, I think that J.J. McCarthy showed that the Bowling Green game is likely more of an outlier than a norm or cause for concern. But we'll see. If he does make mistakes, Nebraska will take advantage of them. Whether that's whether that's Nebraska rushing the passer or whether that's Nebraska playing good coverage and McCarthy tries to force it and he throws a pick, regardless, um, all these things are possible. Really, I mean, this is Michigan's first road game of the year. That's why I'm mentioning all of these possibilities. And if it was a night game, I wouldn't have as much confidence as I do in my team. My confidence would still be very high. Michigan on paper is the much better team. They have the much better players. But it's Lincoln. Nebraska is a team that is just, they're thirsting for a win. And they have been for years. That's why they played everyone close in 2021. They had the talent. Um... And to a certain degree, they had the execution. You know, Samari Torre was a great wide receiver. Austin Allen was a great tight end. They had a, you know, great defense with Garrett Nelson, um, Caleb Tanner. Um, Adrian Martinez had by far his best season at Nebraska up at that point. They've been thirsting for wins for years. And by wins, I mean a big win. And this is an opportunity for Nebraska to pick up a big win. Unfortunately, if you're a Husker fan, I don't think that's going to happen. Now, if you see the 34-3 score and you think that's lunacy, let me lay this out for you. Nebraska only scored, what was it, 14 points against Colorado. Only 14. They could. Now, I know, I know, you can't take one game and, you know, expand it out. That's not what I'm doing. I'm providing an example. They could only score 10 against Minnesota. Meanwhile, Minnesota gets burned by Drake May and North Carolina, who right now, I would argue, have a worse wide receiver core and worse overall offense than Michigan does. And then Minnesota also gets burned by Northwestern. Um, Colorado, their defense, we know and we have known since the TCU game, their defense is awful. Nebraska couldn't exploit it. Nebraska struggled against Louisiana Tech. They took a while to gain a big lead over Northern Illinois. And their defense is good, but they're... Nebraska's best strategy to win games, like Corn Craze put it perfectly, very wise, very intelligent. I would have never caught on to this, honestly. Nebraska's best chance to win games, to maximize their potential to win, is to play like Iowa. Well, the problem with a team like Iowa, and we've seen this now for two seasons, including this one, if maybe if you want to extend it to 2021, you can. They can't beat these teams like Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State from 2022 onward. 2021 Penn State was very overrated when they came into Iowa in Kinnick Stadium, and a quarterback injury is probably the only reason they lost that game. But we don't give, you know, excuses or even try and rationalize that stuff here. Injuries happen. They've happened with Nebraska. They've happened with Michigan. Miles Hinton right now is dealing with an injury. 
you try and win and you do your best to game plan regardless. But Nebraska's offense, I don't think it's going to be able to move this Michigan defense. Maybe for a drive, maybe for two, maybe for three, but even then I feel like it's stretching it. In the preseason, I had Nebraska scoring 17 and I had Michigan scoring in the 40s or 50s. Both of these teams are abusing the clock rule to their greatest degree. The over-under is 40 points. I don't think it will hit the over. I would take the under there. I think Michigan will cover. They'll pass for 250, potentially more than 300 yards, just because how they'll lean on Nebraska's defense, and I don't think Nebraska's offense will produce much. They will rush for over 100, but I don't think they'll rush for 200 against Nebraska. I think that Michigan will probably average just over or around four yards per carry. I am going to go conservative with Michigan's rushing attack against this Nebraska defense. This Nebraska defense might be one of the best defenses in the Big Ten in terms of stopping the run, which is really surprising given the young talent up front and some of the you know stuff they've dealt with in the past at linebacker, whether that's poor play, especially in stopping the run or injury. But I've been very impressed with this Nebraska defense. I don't think these 34 points will be scored in the first half. I think it will take all four quarters for Michigan to score this. Um, it will be a dominant performance. I think one of the more dominant performances in Week 5. Michigan, I think, is one of the most dominant teams in football right now. When you factor in that their time of possession, chewing clock, and their scheme and their plan, Jim Harbaugh also being back really helped Michigan against Rutgers, and you saw that. The Michigan defense, on the other hand, I think will have three or more sacks. will have 10 or more tackles for loss. Um, Nebraska's offensive line, it's improved, but whether it's against Colorado or even Louisiana Tech, they still have poor play, and they don't have really good integrity at the lines of scrimmage offensively. Defensively, I've been very impressed with their three-man front, and I think that they'll test Michigan the scoring margin will be within 17 points. So whether that's 20 to 3 at the half, I think Nebraska scores their three points in the first half. Um, whether it's 20 to 3, whether it's 17 to 3, 14 to 3, dare I say it, it could be 10 to 3 at the half with the way that both of these teams are limiting possessions and the fact that I think Michigan is a better second quarter and third quarter and more importantly, third and fourth quarter team if their starters played in all four quarters. I think that Michigan will really pull away in at earliest the second quarter. At latest, it will be probably the late third quarter, early fourth quarter. I just don't think Nebraska's offense is good enough to keep this a game for longer than three quarters or longer than potentially two or two and a half. Um, the offense just isn't good. And it's really a disservice to the defense, honestly. This defense is... It's impressive. Like, it it blew me away seeing how they read Ethan Kaliak-Manis like a book in week one, how they got pressure on Shadur Sanders, and how before Jeff Sims made his egregious turnovers, how they were able to stop Shadur Sanders early, who, in my mind, is still one of the better quarterbacks in the nation. He just doesn't have a good supporting cast. Heinrich Harburg, I think, will lead the Cornhuskers in rushing yards, Michigan did pretty well at stuffing Kyle Manungai, but they did struggle against Gavin Wimsat, and they also struggled sometimes against Doug Brumfield and some of the more mobile quarterbacks they faced this season while containing the running back rush attack. So I think Harburg will lead the Cornhuskers in rushing yards. Anthony Grant will definitely see action from him. 
I imagine that he will get below average numbers in carries because he'll just be so limited that I think Nebraska will have to go with the quarterback run. So 34-3 is my prediction for this game. It could definitely be closer, or Michigan could dominate even more than I expect them to, but it could be like 28-3 or 27-3, given how these teams love to chew clock. That's all I have to say in this video. Thank you to my Patreon sponsors, um, Spencer Bringhurst, my All-American, and my All-Conference patrons, Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale. Thank you so much for watching this video. I appreciate all the engagement that Michigan Wolverine fans give me, my own fan base, but Nebraska fans, Ohio State fans, Penn State fans, the Big Ten, and college football, period. I don't want to discredit any other conference or any other team. The fan base and the community of college football is awesome. So consider joining ours. I'm part of many college football communities, and it's an enjoyable experience. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you around. Bye-bye.